Now, you know, in Romans 8, 28, it's a scripture that is pulled out of context regularly among Christians. What does anybody, can anybody quote that? Romans 8, 28. Amen. For all things. Now, that's pretty much, that's a big target. All things work together for good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I'm not going to take the, the time to develop that passage because there's an image with it. But I want to say in passing, because that's not our focus today, uh, I want to say in passing that, first of all, all things will work together for good to those that love God. And the key word there is love. It's a word in the Hebrew, it really means to pant after. Sort of like when we sing that song, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul thirsteth after thee. So the picture of agape there is a picture really of, thank you brother, look at that little guy up there, bless his heart. Uh, it is a picture of, of someone panting after something. It's sort of like uh, when we have a, a new girlfriend, you know, of course not married. All we can think about is that girl. You know, it's sort of like that rock song. When a man loves a woman, all he can, can't keep his mind on nothing else. It's true, isn't it? Well, that's the way that all things work together. But see, you have to connect it with verses 26 and 27. See, for that to work. And it is the operation of the Holy Spirit inside you that, it, that activates that. For see, he has... Can you back up to 26... I've not got my Bible open to it. You back up to verse 26. There you go. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth. Now, you remember what the word helpeth means. Raise your hand if you remember what the word helpeth. My Lord, that little boy does. I've been here a year and a half. I've talked to this. It, it's soon anti-limbano. It's that little three, it's a, it's, a, it's a Greek word that's composed of three others. Soon means with, S-U-N, E, means with. Anti means against. You know, you've got antihistamine, that's it. it's anti the histamine in your body, that's why it helps you. And then uh, lambano means to grab hold of strongly. And so that's the picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. Soon anti-Labano, so he helpeth us. In other words, the problems that we face in life, and it's usually with people, I might add, he takes hold with you, that's soon, against, that's the problem, the conflict, uh, hold with you, Lambano, and throws it out of the way with your cooperation. And so he says, because, that's what the word for is, Pardon me for treating you like Jane see the ball. But for means because. Because we don't know what to pray for as we are to. How many knows that? I mean, there's many times I face things in my life, I don't know how to pray for this. So I shift over in what? Other tongues. That's right. That's the gift that God has given you. Uh, and, and then what you do is, for the, but, but the Spirit 
itself. It's it, it, and actually the Greek word they should have translated himself. The Spirit is not an it; it's a he. The Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, verse twenty-seven. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind that is the plan of. That's the word mind. The plan of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Actually, that see that? It's in brackets. It's not there in the original. So he makes intercession. And, and to give you a good picture of the word intercession without doing a full-blown teaching on it, is that it's a picture of Superman flying out of the sky to rescue for you from something. That, that, that is a good picture of the word intercession. When, when you get into intercession in your prayer life, that's, a, that's what you're doing. You're rescuing somebody. In fact, well, I'm not going to go there. So, so all things work together for those that love God. Now guys, just be honest with me. When you were a teenager and you got a girlfriend, how much did you think about her? I mean, if you were like me, was it pretty much all the time? Your, your whole waking time? And did you dream about her? I mean, with me, I'm telling on myself here, Mama will get a kick out of this because she knows this. Every girlfriend I got, I was deeply, madly in love. I mean, my God, I was just head over heels, all I could think about. I didn't care about studying anyway, so that didn't get in the way. So I thought about them all the time. In fact, when one of them, uh, their daddy, decided he was going to move to Lima, Ohio, it crushed me. I went to the gymnasium, was sitting on the bleachers, crying because Vicky was moving. We have to have that kind of a relationship with God that we think about Him and His Word, what He said. These are love letters. To think about Him all the time, all your waking moments. Dream about it. And see, that's where the, the, the meditation comes in. You know, if, if to use Vicki as a, as a source back then, uh, if she had written me, and she did, I've got the annual back in here, my senior annual at high school, and she wrote a, a note in there. Uh, you know, I would read that all the time. See, I, I would cherish that love note. And that's what we have to be with the Word of God. Now let me tell you something. Just reading it and memorizing it is not meditation. You have to incorporate that into your spirit. You have to be so full of it that you can meditate on it all the time without even opening your Bible. See? Now I'm saying all this to get to the message today. Because the Lord instructed me, and of course, it, it, actually He reminded me, that after you hear a word from God, the enemy will immediately come to take it away. Mark 4. And go and read all that in Mark 4. We're not going to get it because it take two hours. But, but read the qualifications there. People that hear the, So the enemy's after the word. Now we heard some awesome word last weekend. And the, how many of you have had an opportunity to get in 
offense and strife this week? Let me raise both of my hands. That's why it comes to snatch the word out of your heart that was sown. So there, you can't keep things from happening. In Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus said, Honey, would you please go get my water in there? Jesus said, It is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck, cast into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, uh, turn again and say, uh, I, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they saw Jesus raise Lazarus. They didn't say increase our faith then. Just when he got down to talking about forgiving somebody for being mean to you. Uh, he taught, you know, they wanted their faith. And, and that's, what, that's what actually we need. So, so these offenses that are coming to you is a ploy for the devil to get that word out of your heart so it won't take root and grow and produce the way it's supposed to. Is that clear? That's why it comes. So don't, don't get all mully-grubbed when you're having a bad day. Your wife it makes you angry everything she says. You know, anything. Because it's a, it's a trick. It's interesting to me that the word offense, those of you with the touch Bible, you can touch that word and see what it is. It's scandalon. Actually, it means to cause a scandal or to scandalize, which in this context is talking about, a better translation would say this, woe be unto him through whom the offense, the scandalon, who causes a little one to offend. I feel sorry for preachers that don't preach the word and preach other stuff. Because if they start preaching other stuff, it's going to make little ones, which are new believers that don't know the word, it's going to make them believe it, and they're going to miss the blessing of God. I mean, this is serious stuff here. I, you know, I, I am a pastor here. And it's my job to look out for you. So always recognize those little points. Like James 3.16. I think it's interesting that the way that it, it, John 3.16 is about salvation. James 3.16 is, is saving your own household. It says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Envying and strife. So when we let it in, as fathers, as heads of the households, we let it in. Then it affects the whole family. See? Can you say amen? That means you're getting something out of it. Now let's turn over to uh, Genesis Chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. I thought it was funny I, when the Lord told me to do this this morning, Teru. Uh, I laughed when I looked at the top of the page here where I, I hadn't ever tapped it up. 1993, February 7th of 93 is the last time I talked about this. 
But here in chapter 50 of Genesis, we have the death of Jacob. And then we have an account of the fear of Joseph's brethren. Because now daddy was dead. And Joseph, uh, you know, was uh, this was pretty much the end of his life and all this stuff. But here in chapter 50 of 15, let's look at this. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said. Now you remember what they did to Joseph? They, when he was 17 years old, he told them that he was going to dream dreams and shared some dreams with them and they got mad. I mean, these people were violent. His brother, They were Middle Eastern we would call them terrorists today. But they, I mean, you know, they walked around in the headgear and all this stuff. But they were afraid that when, when they sold their brother into slavery, you remember all the stories about how God used him, uh, you know, to, to bring the harvest and take care of them. And all. They were afraid now that daddy was dead, they were going to get some retribution. You know, he, he was going to really do them in. But he says, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. <laughs> As though he was counting, making lists. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died, saying, so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of thy father, the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, because he had already forgiven them. They were the ones holding it. They knew what they had done to him. That means they ever been done wrong. Oh my Lord. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are thy servants. And Joseph said, I said unto them, Fear not, I, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you know, the, in Romans 12, 19, it says, Vengeance is the Lord. I will repay. That's where we need to leave it. You know, the get even mental attitude that we have when we're hurt, we need to leave it with God. He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it. That Hebrew word would be better translated invent. God invented it unto good. He turned it around, see, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now, even though Joseph was victimized, now, there may be people sitting here or by the sound of my voice on camera or wherever that may have really been, I mean, victimized. I mean, it's, it's not something like somebody looked at you real mean. I mean, these people, you know, there's people that's been victimized horrendously. But, you know, even though he was victimized, he never saw himself as a victim. He, he, didn't, he didn't view himself. I mean, did you realize this? Over in Psalm 
105, 17 and 18 gives a little insight into actually what happened to him. Is that when they took him, when they captured him and put him in this, he put him, they put him in this uh, hole and then they found a buyer and they loaded him up in a wagon which had bars and I could just see that kid, you know, looking through the bars and they, the way they went through the country took him right by his father's tents. And they could see him. He was leaving for a long time. So he, didn't, he did not view himself as a victim. See, if you have a victim mentality, you're never going to walk in peace and freedom. You can, you can remember the things that happened, but you'll no longer, when you walk in forgiveness, you'll no longer remember it against them. You can remember it. You say, yeah, I acknowledge, I remember. But I don't remember it against you. So when somebody uh, really hurts you, beyond nothing your fault, you may have been such a child when these things happened. But you can't see yourself uh, as the victim, as your identity. Because you see, what people will do is, they'll look at you and they'll say, oh yeah, did you hear about her? Did you hear about her? That's the one. That's the one. That, and that's, that's what you become known as, see. But when you use forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit to free you from circumstances and events that's happened to you, then you, come victor you become victorious. People want to be like you. They'll say, my God, look what happened to her or him. Uh, I, I want to be like that. that. That's God's will for us. So the first step after you're victimized, you don't start rehearsing it. You don't live it over and over. Now, Terry can tell you. She probably wouldn't, but she can. You know, there's lots of times that the enemy gets on my head and I will lay in bed late at night and I'll be talking about things that's happened to me. And, and bless her heart, she'll always say, now you've got to leave that in the past. Because it's easy to dredge it up, isn't it? It's easy to go back there. And then what happens when you dredge it up, the same emotions start coming up out of your heart about it. But see, what we have to do is take authority over it and realize, hey, I'm a new creature. In other words, it's sort of like an old photograph somebody picks up and shows you of yourself. You look at, oh yeah, I've changed since then. We've all changed since then, haven't we? Because of what's happened to us at the cross. Our new birth. We have a new nature. We're not like that anymore. That's, you know, this, this piece of meat that I walk in, uh, you know, it, it is subject to those things, but, but me on the inside, I'm different. I'm not, I'm not that man anymore, see. So don't rehearse it, but just forgive. Uh, he, didn't pretend it, he, he didn't pretend it happened. It didn't happen. You know, a lot of people think that's forgiveness. Well, I'm just pretending it didn't happen. But no. You see, let me give you a little piece of, of wisdom here about your heart. You know, I talked to you Wednesday night about your heart a little bit. That it doesn't recognize the difference between reality and fantasy. Because when you look at a woman to lust after it, your heart registers it as you went ahead and did the thing you thought you were going to do. So, but, but your heart here, uh, you, need, you need to free from that. You need to be free by registering it in your heart that you are free. You're, that's not your identity anymore. So you're not a victim. You're not going to rehearse it. And, and you're not going to pretend it didn't happen. Because you see, if, you're, if you pretend... Your heart still has the hurt. You can keep it hid for a while. You can keep it stuffed down for a while. 
But there'll be a time when you get under stress. This is how you know what condition your heart's in. When at your worst time, your worst temptation, your most stressful moment in your life, how you react, how you address the situation is the condition of your heart. That's how you know. And if it's cussing, you need to go pray. If it's retaliation, you need to go pray. If it's trying to get even, just wait one day. You need to go pray. And get that out of your heart, see. And then you can walk in freedom. That, that is basically 1 John 1, 9 in demonstration. Where that God is not only forgiving you of sin against one another, but He's cleansing you from all unrighteousness. Which unrighteousness means the deed done. Cleansing you from that. Glory to God. So, He didn't pretend it didn't happen. He didn't seek vengeance. And when you forgive, I mean really, really forgive, and release that person, then all the poison that the event caused will be gone. You, you don't believe... You don't, you don't believe it uh, brings poison? See, anger is a response to an injustice. That's the foundation of being angry. The, you know, a response to that. If you stuff it inside, you won't feel it for a while, but it'll eventually, in the form of bitterness, come back. It'll, it'll build a deep uh, root system in you. Uh, harboring it, will only make it worse, and you're forced to relive it every day. Uh, Sister Tressie told me something yesterday I would love for her to share at some point about fear. I mean, it was tremendous what God did for that young lady. And, it, it, and God wants to free all of us. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't forgive and you, and you don't really get free from that, what will happen is you'll, you'll end up wearing the mask. I know this is a day and time of mask. You'll end up wearing the mask to show people that you're okay. But when you take the mask off, you're a mess because of what's happened. It's not been dealt with. You've not allowed the Holy Spirit to, to really work the Word of God inside you. So you'll be quietly hiding it, going about your life, and then the enemy will bring an opportunity for you to get revenge. And then you have a real choice to make. It can possibly turn into exploding rage. And you may smack somebody. You may beat somebody. And, and I'm telling you, there, there is more problems in the lives of Christians and churches because of denial and wrath than any other sin. Deny, and I, I'm, I'm, t I'm talking to you guys like you're just a bunch of heathens. And I don't mean that. I'm trying to expose the, the, the direction the enemy wants to take you to get rid of the word you received last week. And I mean, he, it's an open door. When you, when you give in to those emotions and anger and all that stuff, it's an open door for the devil just to come right in. Do whatever he wants to in your life. And if you've not been taught like you are today, 
You may actually have the, this phrase come off of your mouth continually. Lord, why did you let that happen to me? He can't not let it happen. If you choose to let it happen, He has to let it happen. God is all for personal choice. The choice process that we have in our lives cannot be violated by God. Even though He knows what it's going to cause you. He can't stop that. He can't, he can't protect you from that. He's given His Word. If you won't hide your Word in your heart and stand on it, then you're going to be a victim of what the devil wants to do to you. See, So, so it's up to us. God has to work in cooperation with us. See, your personal will is of extreme importance to God. That's why He wants you to turn it over to Him. Not my will, Lord, but and I don't understand this, but I'm going to choose to forgive this person. I'm going to release that. Let me tell you a little secret here. Learned this a long time ago. At the moment of offense, you are in a supernatural position to help that individual. Nobody else in the world at that moment in time can help him or her that is offending you except you. You hold the key. You can release it. You can, you can, you know, a kind answer will turn away wrath, the Bible says in Proverbs. See? If you respond that way, it'll, def it'll deflect the anger situation, and then you'll be able to say, Can I help you with this? That's why I wish all of us wore those t shirts. I will when I lose weight. We lose, you know, wear those t shirts. There's grace for that. I don't like parading my uh, uh, abdominal protrusion around. So how can we how can we how can we forgive an offense if we won't admit it? You can't. You have to admit it. You have to admit the hurt that was caused by the offense. We can't go the avenue of revenge because revenge is the desire to see something set right, a wrong set right. Well, don't you know that that's what happened from the cross to the throne? All the wrongs, all the hurts, everything that happened to us, Jesus rectified it. Jesus dealt with it right there. And, and it was for us. He bore that stuff for us. Meaning that we don't have to. So let's see what else it says here. Uh, I want to talk to you. See, I've got several things up here. This is really what I was going to share today. But then the Holy Spirit had me change it. But I, I want to talk to you about the attributes of the sycamine tree. Have I ever mentioned that here? It's, it's not sycamore. We have sycamore trees over here. But the sycamine tree was in the fig tree family. Very interesting if you want to read about that. Uh, let's see. It didn't grow on a vine. It didn't grow on a twig or a branch like that. It, it, it grows on the trunk of the twisted wood that it has. And the taste of it is very bitter. The poor ate it. Not the, the rich ate the figs because they were expensive. But, but the sycamine fruit uh, was very bitter and you could not eat it all at one time. Very interesting. You know, assimilating it to the behavior that we have in bitterness from our heart. You had to eat it a little bit at a time. You couldn't eat the whole thing because it was, it was that pungent and, and, uh, and bitter. And so people uh, that would, would eat that, you know, would be poor people. This tree 
has the deepest and largest root systems of all the trees in the Middle East. So, And it grows 30 to 50 feet tall. So if you saw a huge tree, know that it was a lot bigger underneath the ground than on top of the ground. And an interesting thing about this bitterness, or this tree, is that if you plucked it up, which was very, very difficult to get it up, if you left one little piece of the root system in the ground, guess what? It sprouted right back up. I, 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 I probably don't need to express this, but that's the way it does in your heart. It's bitter. And it grows. And you try to get it out yourself. Jesus said this. Isn't it interesting he used this tree when he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up and be cast into the ocean, and it would, be, it would obey you. That's the power of the Son of God. That's who you are, a child of God. And if you will let your faith grow like a mustard tree grows, didn't talk about size, I think got nothing to do. That mustard seed tree will grow in you from the Word of God, and it'll produce great, great things. So if you'll let that grow up, then the bitterness that tries to root up into your heart, you say, I rebuke you, you have to leave me, get out, pluck it out of yourself. Get it out of your heart at all cost. It's very interesting that it was the preferred wood for caskets. We would call them, uh, what are those, esophagus or something that they mummified people in. and that It was the prefer preferred wood for that uh, because it was very durable and very hard. Bitterness will make your heart hard. There's lots of hard people. Uh, and, and In fact, bitterness can make your heart so hard that offense won't affect you anymore. You're just totally offended. That's your identity. You are offended. You walk in this life offended. Anybody ever had employers that was just grouchy and grumpy all the time? Look at Bill. That's his heart's hard. Debbie knows about that too. You were getting prayer for that last week, weren't you? Well, their heart's hard. You know, there's an old song, and I think we played it here a while back, but People Need the Lord by Steve Green. Steve Green was a Christian artist that got killed in a plane crash. But he, he wrote this song, People Need the Lord. People Need the Lord. But you know what else people need? Are you and I. We're sent to the world to help people in their bitterness and their hurt, and their pain. God has given us 18 facets of His personality. The nine gifts of the, of the Spirit, and the nine fruit of the Spirit. And if we'll learn to allow those things to manifest in our lives, I'm telling you, we are glory looking to happen somewhere in somebody's life. Yes, yes. So, that's some of the attributes. that it, it says here that it grows well in dry climates where there's not much water. Isn't it very interesting over in Luke 24 where Jesus said that there was a, uh, it, you know, when, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places. Dry places. That's where bitterness lives. 
Because when you get the water from God, you know, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, in you it becomes a river of, of water flowing out of you for the, for the benefit of the people all around you. So the opposite is true of bitterness. But, but because that spirit won't stay around the, the, the water of, the, of, of God's word. It will, it, you know, it says that we need to be washed by the cleansing of the word of God. Amen. So, so there's a lot of analogies there that we can, you can draw from that. Uh, something very interesting here. It's not, I, wish, I wish Lester was here to hear this. I thought of him while I was reading. Uh, it's not pollinated naturally. Like other, other bloom, you know, it would be a bloom and a blossom and all that. The way that this bitterness tree was pollinated is that a wasp came and stuck its stinger inside that fruit and that's how it was pollinated. It's very interesting. Have you ever been stung by someone? I have. I have. And it'll cause bitterness to start growing, to pollinate in your life. We've got to be careful about these people. If cross point's going to grow, we're going to have to get we're going to have to master this thing about walking in love. Because we'll just become another knot on the log. Just another church. Oh yeah, they're just you know, and I'm telling you what, I don't really blame the world for being tired of us because of what we've given out for the past several hundred years. Just rules, regulations, laws, don't do's. I don't blame them a bit. They are to be mad. But, but I'm telling you what, they can't resist the love of God. Hallelujah. Look what they did to the love of God on the cross. But look what it produced. So don't worry. You know, Jesus was persecuted. They said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But love will always triumph. It will always win out. Uh, Bitterness. We've got to be real careful about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. You, I, I urge you to go do some more studying about that. But now, human beings have a genuine free will. Anywhere that is, anywhere that that is, you know, brought into under control is slavery. God has given us all free will. He doesn't control it. We shouldn't allow other people to control it. It should be up to us. And it's very important to God that we exercise our free will. He doesn't want you worshiping because it's 10.30 on Sunday morning. He wants you worshiping because you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? So your will makes a, a big difference in worship. See? To plug it in, not just go through the motions. That's why... She's saying, I don't really like that song, but she sings a lot. You know, I'm sorry for, you know, not worshiping for, for a good reason, you know. It's true. We need to repent of worshiping God wrongly and worship as, as, he, as he seeks. He seeks people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means comes from your spirit, not your head, and the truth is in His Word. That's what that's talking about. So, our biggest responsibility in our lives, if we're going to receive what God is giving us, now I expect, I expect Brother Delmer 
and Brother Bill and Brother Norman to give you the Word of God. And we're going to have to respect that and guard our heart. The biggest responsibility in our life is guarding our heart. You know, that's why Proverbs talks about that a lot. Guard your heart. Protect it. Keep from those influences from coming in. Walk in His Word and His will. You see, it is impossible to enslave a man who is submitted to unconditional word, uh, love. rather, Unconditional love. See, this is what Joseph uh, was told uh, after it happened. Always, listen, listen to me, especially these kids back here. Listen to me, kids. Things that's happened bad to you and now to the rest of us in our lives. We need to carry that into our prayer chamber, wherever it is, privately, nobody else listening. And you begin to interpret what happened to you based on uh, your present tense being. Based on where you are now in Him, you see. Joseph didn't interpret what happened to him as a 17-year-old boy. He interpreted it as he grew up as a, as a man that is mature. So that's what we need to do is look back when it happened, interpret that, that God was with you and has brought you through this, and release the, the danger or the, the, the offense from you. And, and I'm telling you, you, you you'll, uh, you'll be a different person. I personally know people. I've ministered to a few ladies over the course of my ministry. A few, three or four probably, that were so abused. Not only as a child, but then go up and marry an idiot and get abused. And at the altar when they would come up for ministry, the Holy Spirit would say to them, or to me rather, to say to them, I want you to focus all your anger on me. Pretend that I'm that person that hurt you. And then, after they did, I'd say, now forgive me. But see, the reality is that Jesus Christ did that. Didn't He? He bore those offenses. And He can bring the healing to your heart that you need. You say, well, what am I saying? Well, really, rewrite your past. Rewrite it with victory. Rewrite it with your present understanding not as the understanding of a five-year-old. Rewrite it with your present understanding in the Word of God. Uh, you know, and and what, what Joseph experience have you had in your life? It was wrong. I mean, horribly wrong. God can't do nothing about that. It happened. It's a, but but remain, let it remain a past tense thing. Don't bring it into the present tense. Deal with it when your mind wants to bring it up. See, you and I, people... We're, we're loved by God just because we are. Not because we've done something good. I mean, Terry and I was talking about this, uh, was it last night or today, about, you know, they, they made uh, Newt Gingrich quit talking about George Soros on the air because he was telling the facts. And uh, it's beyond my comprehension here as I stand how God can love that man the same as he loves me. Go figure. But see, that's the nature of love. It doesn't have ebbs and flows. It's constant. 
That's agape. No matter what we do, love doesn't pull back. And since Jesus took on the whole, the blame of the whole world, God can't hold anything against George Soros. Now you can bank on it that he's going to reap what he's sowing. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, he's Jewish. He's, a, he's, a, he's not a practicing Jew. But he's going he's to reap what he's sown. And he, need, he desperately needs us to pray for him. But I'll declare it's hard. Hey, Y'all get anything out of this? Do you realize that we are the only creature in all of creation that can choose what we want to be? Like Brother Dave says, I'll give you one of his illustrations. He says that you can get a mule, crop his ears, tail, put him right in the stall with eight other racehorses. And when he's when that thing, when that bell goes off, he's still a mule. You ever seen a mule run? They run weird. They don't run like a horse does. So it makes you wonder, does that mule sit over and look, man, I wish I was a racehorse? He can't change it. So we, we, we can choose what we want to be in this life. Thank God. And that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit to direct us and walk the paths of righteousness. You know what the paths of righteousness are? It's the paths that God has chosen for you to walk. The will of God in your life. The will of God in your ministry. And, and, he, and He'll give us the power to do that. So... So in Genesis 3, we find out, we don't need to turn there, we know what happened. Man resigned from being a creature and set out to become a god. Romans 1.25 He became independent. He became in charge but not in control. That's been, that's, been the, that's been the discouragement of a lot of people that want to be a god. Little g. Isaiah 53 says that everyone has turned to his own way. Verse 6. See, man fell short of the intended mark that God had for us. And the target that he did hit was religion. Religion is the most destructive ideology on the face of this earth. More wars have been fought over religion than any other. Religion and land, those two are usually what wars are about. The whole Muslim world's aggravated and mad at us because of religion. But what people fail to realize, you can't make somebody worship God. It has to come from your spirit. Especially when that God is not real. So you can't force it. Amen? So God hit the target for us in, in, through Jesus and uh, we can make it. Now do turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I'll let you, a little bit, let you in on a little bit about how to overcome temptation. The temptation, I'm not talking about drinking and cussing and smoking and going with girls that do drink, smoke, cuss, and chew. I'm talking about the temptation of getting angry Walking in strife and bitterness and hatred. The temptation. 
1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to, what? Bear it. So there's no temptation that comes your way, but such is common to human beings. And then he says that God is faithful. That's what we need to focus on. God is faithful. And who will not suffer you? Mean, it means he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Meaning this, that when the temptation comes, it means in itself that you have the capacity to overcome it. One can't come towards you that you can't handle. But all the temptations that come, you ought to get a big grin on your face. Glory to God. I have victory over this. I don't have to give in to it. It's my will. But God said, I will make the way, seemingly like where there's no way, but He said, I will make a way for you to escape out of that, that you may bear it. Bear it. Not pretend it's not a temptation. Not ignore it, but bear it. Knowing that you could look it right in the face and you have the ability to put it down. I do that many times with certain things. I say, oh no, you don't. We're not going that way. We're not doing that. I have authority over this body I live in. We're not doing those things. We're not giving in to that. The easiest temptation in the world is to, is to not walk in forgiveness. Is to hold things that people have done. Well, I, if, I get, if I forgive that person, that means I'm in agreement with them. No. If you really want to get even to somebody, forgive them. Forgive them. This word, hupofero, which is the word bear here in this uh, in, in this context, is, is to bear by being under. A thing placed on one's shoulders to endure. Or to undergo hardship. You may be able, you may have the ability, the word able is dunamis, which is power. You may be able, you may have the power then to endure the hardness. Look at what Paul told Timothy in First and Second Timothy. First Timothy, Timothy had a huge church, the church at Ephesus. Some say, as high as 50,000 people. I mean, it was growing and going and great things. Second Timothy is when Ned turned on him. And he was coming to Paul and said, what am I going to do? And he said, endure hardness as a good soldier. Amen. God wouldn't, God wouldn't ask us to do stuff we couldn't do, would he? Amen. Praise God. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, I like the little song that's being sang today. This is how we fight our battles. Anybody ever heard that? This is how we fight our... But I'm telling you what, you don't fight battles with a song. You fight it with the Word of God. If the song has the Word of God in it, that's good. That's why I play a lot of David Ingalls. His words, his songs are full of the Word of God. 
But that brings up a point that I need to express. Because there's a large portion of the body of Christ that, things that a good, that thinks that a good set of songs will lift you up. And they may be songs that don't even, is, is not even accurate scripturally. I remember my little old girl, Brooke, I'm hoping they'll come up here soon, when she, she, when she was a teenager, because her daddy had left, she had a real hard time. She had, I mean, real hard time. I, that's some of the things that I talk about that I wish I could go back and change. Uh, my God. I mean, just right now, my, my heart starts to ache about thinking about it. But after she came, she stayed with us for a while after we, we got married. And, and I found a little CD in her car. And I can't, I can't tell you one of the words that she used on it. But the title was, Songs for a Certain Kind of Day. And my heart just bled for her. That that's the way she was fighting her battle. I mean, there's feel-good songs out there. You feel good emotionally. Bluegrass gets me happy and thing, and you know, uh, and uh, and other love songs and all that kind of. Get your emotions going, but listen, you can't fight your battles emotionally. You have to fight them spiritually with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. It's all right to have songs. It's all right to have your list that you like to listen to while we're praying or whatever. But don't rely on that. I know people personally that have based their lives on hymns out of the old church hymnal. And there's no Word of God in it at all. There's concepts, you know, concepts in, in the song. But as far as the Word goes, I mean, you can't afford to reinforce that every time you sing it. It reinforces that in your heart and it's not God. Amen? I better quit. I, I've, I've kind of meddled enough today. So let's stand up and uh, we'll be dismissed. And Praise you, Jesus.